three friends. Three cities. One question. How can we turn this world around? You're on with Earth Friends. Hi, everyone. Hey, guys. Hey guys. Welcome to Hi. episode five of season two the Daily Malang threading through New York Fashion Week with Indigenous Filipino weaves. The Daily Malong was founded by Lydia Carrion. Daily Malong supports weavers, master artists, craftsmen, and other Indigenous community leaders in the Philippines to carry on their living traditions by spreading appreciation for Indigenous works to Filipino diasporic groups in North America. We always start our episode by asking our guests this question. So today, Lydia, we'd love to hear what impacted you this week. Yeah, um, first of all, thank you for having me. I really appreciate you guys uh, making this time to, you know, uh, give voice to Daily Malong and the work that I do. I think I mentioned I have guests today. So um, I'm currently in Hawaii and um, I have guests from the Talaandig community in Bukidnon. So what have impacted me today? this week is really like you know the soul of you know the indigenous people that's like mm-hmm. that allowed us to be blessed in our household right now they they're they're, they're instrument makers they're soil painting I think um you know so in 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 the late 90s um Tatay Wawai who's uh the Datu of the Talaandi community he mm-hmm. invented soil painting so because he was so close to earth and trying to like revive all the sustainable things around, right? He learned that, you know, um, in different terrains of the mountain, there's different colors to soil. Oh. So he started gathering them and then um, plopped it on an Elmer's glue and started painting the soil on canvas. Oh. And they produced really beautiful, colorful soil paintings, which will be available on my website. Soon, <laughs> oh. um, but you know, yeah, so, uh, yeah. So you know, that's kind of like how that's what impacted me this week is you know just the beauty of the being able to source things from Earth. Yeah, and that will be on the dailymalong.com, right? Yes. That's D-A-I-L-Y-M-A-L-O-N-G dot com for everyone. That's right. (laughs) You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, everything else at Daily Malo. So So Lydia, we'd love to hear more about your story and how you built the brand. Um, Daily Malong was actually inspired by uh, my performance arts work because... um, Living in San Francisco, I, I, I've done a lot of performance arts um, around California and I've toured with several dance groups. So uh, it's kind of like, you know, I've joined folk dance groups, I've joined contemporary Filipino dance groups. And um, part of, you know, the part of the research the folk dance groups do is they go back to indigenous communities. So I've been going with them for many years. And um, shortly after that, I did learn about the weaving culture of the different indigenous communities. And I find that, you know, that's something that's not 
being showcased in North America. Because when you live in the diaspora, uh, they usually associate clothing and a lot of Filipino culture to Manila-centric cultures, right? Mm-hmm. Jeepneys, Manny Pacquiao, you know, Barong Tagalog, Filipinianas, that's the most common thing that you see. But like, it's it's a question of like, is that really a good representation of over seven and part of the country has cultures in itself that it's not is not being um and um there's a worry of, you know, um the weaving communities or the weaving culture to, you know, to not survive anymore because a lot of the youth are not even inspired to do it or do what their elders do because they're very attracted to Western culture. So I find that daily Malong would be that bridge to kind of like create awareness of the weaving culture, all the beautiful textiles that we have and make it more accessible to younger people. So what happens is that the reflection weaving communities is that they're inspired to like continue what their parents and their own. Well, that's such an that's such an inspiring story, and yeah, you're right. Um, traditional traditional uh, means of or art forms or ways of life is slowly um, passing with technology, just making things so much faster. And you know, like the business models don't include the importance or the significance of retaining culture in 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 our history yeah yeah and i would notice that over the last 10 years of traveling in mindanao in the cordilleras right you know the youth they they're all about their phones they're on facebook they're on id Mm -hmm. they're on tiktok and all that stuff so um you know how do you kind of um my question for myself at that time is how do you re um, repurpose that energy that they have towards new technology in making sure that they are still holding on to, um, you know, in, in Kalinga, they call it an ayuan, right? It's it's kuleana in Hawaii. It's kind of like a sense of responsibility of holding on to your traditions, your family traditions. See that, you know, Americans are actually wearing the clothing that their parents make or the textiles that their parents make or their grandparents make, you know, think that, you know, oh, these, this weaving activity, like, you know, that kind of stuff. So cool. The fact that you were able to integrate this in your, in your exhibit in, in New York Fashion Week, amazing. Mm-hmm. Like how, how were, how was the reception like when you launched um, the Daily Malong? And it happened last month or? and uh, this was my second showing my first one was last year it actually was received very well um a lot of filipino designers that are being showcased in fashion weeks are normally couture so this is very different because it's like uh wearable it's everyday wear but it looks really high fashion with all the colors you know all the patterns all the all the motifs that you see on the textiles and how it's been constructed into something that you can actually wear every day you know um so yeah it was really received well Mm -hmm. that's great that's great and then going i think tying this all back to earth friends and our theme of sustainable mental sustainability specifically 
we'd love to hear your take about how the Daily Malang's mission and how preserving of uh, and culture are connected to sustainability. Yeah. So, um, you know, I have this belief that, you know, um, going back to a sustainable level of lifestyle um, is already present in a lot of indigenous practices. Mm-hmm. Weaving is a good example of it, right? It comes from earth. You uh, you harvest the piña or you harvest, um, you know, the, the thread that you use for weaving and then you use it for um, you know, for clothing, and then anything else that's raw material outside of that, you use it for your food in the kitchen, or you build it into, you know, I don't know, a furniture in your house, right? A lot of these indigenous practices, um, I have this belief that they're the ones that'll save the world from climate change. Yeah. What really has kind of like drawn us apart from being a sustainable world is, you know, adding on a lot of elements that are not necessary because we're trying to like reproduce something too fast mm-hmm. and a lot of it right yeah so the slower the fashion the more sustainable it is and you're really perpetuating culture it's it's really in the indigenous heart that you know all these sustainable practices are already there we don't have to like look for it or research for it or redo everything it's already there we just need to kind of like um go back to our elders and kind of like really understand how they've been doing and how they've been surviving the last few centuries right? They've gone through many atrocities. They've gone through many, um, you know, climate changes. Um, and, you know, they, they've survived because they know, they know the land. It's really understanding the land, understanding the waters, understanding the wind, all of the elements around you, and how you tie that into your everyday life. I really like how did, how would they, how did they inspire their their youth to actually get into weaving? Like, how, how are yeah. they keeping this um, tradition alive then? Yeah, I'm going to give an example of the most present one that I have because I actually have um, Indigenous uh, master artists in my home right now. That's why we're oh. kind of crowded. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, the Tala'an Big Community in Bukidon, yeah. Um, so, they, they, a lot, because, Bukidnon has been known as a big pineapple and sugar cane industry, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of their land have been taken by bigger companies. And uh, some of them have managed to, you know, keep their own land. Mm-hmm. And right now, one thing, one one major thing that they have is they have just gotten back into replanting taro within their communities. So uh, the master artist, the Datu that is here in my home right now, he started this project where he wanted to like enforce, you know, planting taro in each of the family's land. Mm. And that's kind of like redeveloping their sustainability in water, the water's coming back, you know, um, all the minerals in the soil is kind of like nourishing the community and then the soil in itself is what they use for their art they use for their you know um you know for some of their canvas clothing that they produce that i actually sell on my website too Mm -hmm. so they have all of that kind of 
you know, there are communities like that where they're kind of like reinforcing that. And then part of that to make it more kind of like interesting for people in the outside world, when they do invite people for tourism, they encourage ecotourism. So every time we're there, we will help them of, you know, a Western society of, you know, a lot of parts of themselves. It's good. It's good, actually, that you brought it up because um, the overall objective of Daily Malang has a lot to do with not just making the product, but it's also um, providing your audience a chance to learn for those that have um, roots to, you know, indigenous communities in the Philippines. They can finally trace back to their heritage and where they came from and it won't become so much of an identity crisis especially when you grow up like yeah. you kind of want to know a little bit more about you know where about yourself where you came from just to help you navigate through um like your life but not only is it learning but it's also unlearning for um the audience that you have in the states because um actually Overall, our history is very westernized. Um, mm -hmm. It's very oriented towards whatever happened in the West with from the time of the of the Renaissance, Industrial Revolution. It's like it's very it's very limited in terms of the point of view of Asians, and um, yeah. more more often than not, like our history gets a little bit put under the uh, under the, the the history of other civilization so like what are usual like you represent that people were shocked about like oh this is a culture of the philippines i had no idea or like what what yeah. was well um let me begin with uh you know so when i i used to do some pop-ups in california mm -hmm. and um i did not know this was filipino and i'm like yeah this is from this part and um, to counter that uh, during my first fashion week in 2021 um, one of the master artists and the weavers came to me because I showed them pictures you know I was like I came back to the community and I'm like hey this is what happened and you know your textile is somewhere else you know they said they're like oh we're finally in the map you know and that kind of like just mm -hmm. really broke my heart because yeah. all this time they feel like they're not part of you know our country yeah because you know again it, you know go western world it's always manila things you know um or if not manila things you know it's filipiniana mm -hmm. even in the folk dance uh um community that i used to belong to or i still do technically but i'm kind of on a break <laughs> but you know um they're all about the spanish influence uh dances yeah right you know Jota yeah. de Paragua or all of that stuff and uh, it, it's nice to see right but at the same time what does that story tell you when you're trying yeah. so um you know when 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 people come to me and say I didn't know this was Filipino I go off like I am right now because I feel like each of these communities and the indigenous groups they deserve a voice somewhere else yeah. in the world and nobody really has that and clothing is the most accessible for people to kind of like peek and be interested um you know onto something it's something you can wear you know especially in you know 
the U the U.S. is very large. Um, when you get to the Midwest or even in the East Coast, you know, there's not a lot of resources for dance groups, you know, for music groups and all of that stuff. But there are a lot of pockets of Filipino communities that mm -hmm. don't really have, you know, um, act. So um, I feel like clothing is the closest one that can um, access that. I think that's easily um you can represent what you wear as fact with clothing. So that's a avenue for you to channel your initiatives. Yeah, actually, when I was in La Union, I I I, vis I, I was supposed to visit a weaver shop there, the Coloma Weaving. Mm -hmm. Co Coloma. Oh yeah, that's in um that's in Bangaria. Yes, yes, yeah. So it's yeah. one. It's a really big weaving place, and um, my friend like it's really nice, like nicely made. Um, it's a small community from La Union. They do in so um yeah. I work with some weavers in Bangar La Union too. Nice. Mm -hmm. So, how many communities of weavers are you working with in the Philippines? A lot. I don't know. TJ would know, but um, in Southern Philippines, I work with a Yakan group. I work with a couple Maguindanaoan groups. Um, I work with a few because um, so I look at weaving and culture and different aspects of our traditions, like um, adobo, for example, right? Mm -hmm. So um, the way that they would cook adobo from my family would be different from the family mm -hmm. next door. Even some put potatoes, some put coconut milk, some put, you know, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with weaving, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's a line going that way for this family mm -hmm. because it's kind of like their stamp and then they have like different color combinations. So I tend to work with several families or weaving communities in one specific ethno-linguistic group. Mm -hmm. Like uh, for Maginda now, once I work with two different weaving groups because um, there's uh, there's two there's two groups of people in Maginda now. There's like the Tagailod and Tagalaya, so people of the river and the people of the mountains, and their narratives are very different from each other. So um, in Lake Cebu, for the Tiboli people, I also work with several groups. So it really depends, but I work with a lot. <laughs> That's great. You know, sometimes I, I like this conversation makes me feel like you're more Filipino than a number of Filipinos I know in the Philippines. <laughs> so, like the effort it takes to learn your culture from another from another place is it it takes a lot more time, and it's great that you're able to spread it even more with the daily malong. You know, that's kind of like part of my journey because when I was I was I grew up in Manila, so you know I've I've always been wondering like what the hell is our culture? This is like American or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, when uh, we probably like in, in, in grade school and high school, we probably had like couple malong malong dance and we learned our niece and all of that stuff. But that's kind of like just the tip of the iceberg, right? And um, when I left to, to, to immigrate to the U.S., that kind of like gave me a better view of what might be a good perspective. And then it kind of inspired me to go back all the time. 
So um, when I started working here, I was like, oh, I, I want to save up and then I want to be able to. I started going home like every year and then the every year became twice a year and then the twice a year become three times a year, um, except for the last few years of pandemic. Mm. But yeah, that kind of like allowed me to look at culture and all of our traditions in a very different perspective. It's different when you're living there because... You know, there are things that you don't really appreciate when they're too close to you. I need. I think I didn't ask. I have to say that question. It was like, if there's one thing, if there's one thing that, if there's one message that you want to share with our listeners, both in Manila or in the Philippines, both in Manila and in the U.S., since we do have quite a number of Phil Am listeners on the podcast as well what would that be um stay hungry stay hungry and stay thirsty of knowing yourself Uh, most of the time you know especially now um mental health is a big deal these times these days you know with like the overwhelming technology that we have to deal with the shorter um you know attention span that we all have Mm -hmm. that kind of like affects all of that right um Stay hungry, go farther, but like, you know, um, make sure you look back and uh, look look at it in a different lens and perspective mm-hmm. of how you are as a person. Um, sometimes you feel like, you know, especially for a lot of passionate people, um, and I'm guilty of this too myself, you know, we feel like, you know, we can save the world of, you know, um, I don't know, uh, we can save the world from all of these government corruption or like we have, you know, really strong stances, but really most of the time it starts from within, right? Uh, we want to stay hungry within ourselves, like who I really am and what's my family stories. Dig through your family stories because those are oral traditions that you don't want to be erased that's part of yourself mm-hmm. and from there you know you can kind of like world and allow yourself to kind of like be part of saving a sustainable world mm-hmm. <laughs> it's giving that. me a lot of hero complex vibes <laughs> like i mean us <laughs> us, us yeah, i mean in earth friends like we're just trying to get together as much you know like people with the, the same ideas and same um like same drive to want to envision a different world no matter yeah, what and, level of or amount of knowledge you might have that's why we try to keep it simple so that it's also opens up the door to people who aren't maybe might not know as much about sustainability as other people do so I actually like what you guys are doing because I don't think this is a topic that's being talked about a lot in the Philippines too and I'm glad that there is you know a medium like you guys who you know really talk about these things and I I, if if you guys really want to dive deep into sustainability I highly recommend you guys go to Bukidnon where these guys are from the 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 master artists that are here um it's a good mistaken and like they united Uh like eight tribes and it was just so nice to listen Uh to but yeah like yeah that's it, it's nice that we have an angle on sustainability that, that that's 
um, more centered towards um, history and and preserving mm-hmm. culture. That's something in our episode with you that we really wanted to highlight because it's not just about finding eco solutions. It's about going back to your roots and like feeling grounded and in, in like your history. And more often than not, like especially more like right now in the Philippines, historical revisionism is such a is such a crisis. Like we could yeah. have generations forget big parts of our past, and and you know, it, it's, it's okay long because people don't care. Like they think it's boring. Like they think history is like nerdy and boring. But actually, like it's quite interesting to <laughs> to know where you came history from. History is important. Like, yeah, history is important because it helps you kind of like learn more about yourself. And, you know, um, it, it's sad because I'm also trying to unravel this on a personal level with my parents, right? They did have practices that I would really dig deeper into, like, having a conversation with them. So, you know, it means that they feel like I'm super makulit, right? Because they're like, mm-hmm. I would be like, oh, how did you do this? Um, birthing is a good example. Like, okay, you're so against, um, you know, home births, but then... All of a sudden, my mother would say something like, oh, you know what? Um, we used to like birth like all of our neighbors on our street. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, like, so you used to do this, but you're opposed to like having it at home now, which uh, to me is still the safest thing. So that kind of stuff, right? Um, sustainability, it, it begins from like, you know, um, what you do with yourself and then also how you like open that up to your immediate family and your community. And um, I feel like there's a level of shame of being able to do those little sustainable activities that you used to do in your family. And this is like on my parents' behalf because I feel like, you know, they were part of, you know, that um, baby boomer culture mm-hmm. where, you know, they feel like everything Western is cool and like, you know, we have to erase what we used to do because that's not that's not a modern way of doing it. Yeah. Right. So uh I'm slowly unraveling that on a personal level with my family and, you know, um yeah, I hope that, you know, this conversation kind of encourages that with a lot of your listeners. Mm-hmm. I really like how you bring up the point that it starts at home and it really starts with yourself. So we were wondering to tie this all up. How can we turn this world around? What are your thoughts on how? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the real question here is that can we really do it on our own, right? And um, it, yeah, you know, um, one thing that I have learned living in in a Western society is that. The Western society and capitalism in itself is like uh, it's it's a culture that teaches you how to separate yourself from the world, mm. right? Like you know, you turn eighteen yeah. here, you have to be on your own, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yeah. Whereas, really, if if you go back home, and the reason why we still live with our parents until we get married is because that's part of the camaraderie. And you like kind of encourage children to be part of a bigger world and encourage children to be kind of, um, you know, uh, to understand that they're part of something big. They're not alone. 
And I think that's how I feel like I would be saving the world. <laughs> if if I if I were to answer that question, I have a toddler right now. And, you know, that's kind of like how we're trying to raise her is that, um, you know, you're not alone mm-hmm. in anything. You have to care about the people around you, even if you are in a Western world. Mm. You know, uh, someone's life is also your responsibility. And that becomes like, you know, a sustainable kind of like activity and you know future for the rest of your family and your community especially in the U.S. you know it's really hard to find a community that you can actually like feel like family yeah because even your biological family here they're like 50 miles away free from you mm-hmm. or something like that so my husband and I kind of like created this little um, art family that we have uh, we've opened up our home to a lot of people and practitioners who are who have like the same who are at par with you know our, our mission and goals about culture so I think that you know uh, being able to just understand how you are part of the bigger world and the world that is not yours and is borrowed I think that's how we can turn life around right Mm -hmm. um we are all temporary in this world how do we make it matter and how do we give it back to you know the environment and you know the the mother earth basically if we're borrowing everything land water air fire you know we're borrowing everything from the mother earth and like how do we take care of it and also give it back to her for the future people that will grow in the world. Yeah. A lot to think about and very, very good questions at that. So with that, we close our fifth episode for the second season. We're so happy you were able to join us, Lydia. It was really great learning. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you guys. Thank you. No, thank you. We are Earth friends and the Earth is our friend. Thanks for listening.